Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 36 of the Stomp the Bus Show. I'm your host, Mark Harris, and we're coming at you day before the spring game uh, on the 15th. Um, very exciting time in ASU land. You have the Masters champion and John Rom. John Rom. Uh, ASU baseball just can't stop winning. Um, and yeah, spring football coming up. So it's a fun time. Uh, and I'm actually going to start this with not quite the most fun conversation because we're going to start with basketball, uh, ASU men's basketball. It's it's not the worst conversation, but I guess it's it's just another guy enters the transfer portal. That being uh, forward Devin Cambridge, um, he there's reportedly a trip to Oregon that he took today, and it's not so much that it's just the after the first wave of transfers, when you had Horn, uh, Boyachi, Jemiah Neal, who's since returned, when you had all of them enter the portal, it was like, okay, like it, it all happened right after the season. And at that same time, Devin Cambridge released a statement, you know, post, whatever it may be saying, Hey, I'm coming back. And then on, so, you know, you think he's back in the fold. You're, you're, you're right all good you know you got uh some size at the forward position but then last week he enters the portal again so it's annoying and it's 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 not that he's in the going into the portal as a fan it's the oh i'm i'm staying but oh i'm actually gonna go in the portal you know and i'm sure something capped it like you know maybe Maybe he was upset that Kamari Lands came in. Um, maybe he, that would have meant a reduced role on the team. I don't know. But it's just uh puzzling because it's like what could have what what could have changed in the week that you chose to stay say you were coming and then you leave. So it's it's annoying, but you know, I'm still glad Devin Cambridge was on the team last year. They wouldn't have made the tournament without him. Uh, nobody, you know, nobody forget that, you know, he offensive rebounding machine, uh, energizer guy, like I'm going to miss having him on the team. You know, he was a good sun devil to watch, uh, but he will be playing elsewhere next year. So in the future, you know, just from my, you know, dumb perspective, it's, I just wish players, they're just going to go to the portal, just go to the portal. Don't say, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to the portal, everyone, you know, I'm staying. And then a week later you go in the portal. It's like, it's just either say nothing, you know, that's the thing. Like in so many walks of life, sometimes the best thing to do is just say nothing. And then no one expects anything out of you. So if he had just not announced he was coming back, then this wouldn't be a thing. I mean, it's not really a thing anyway. It's just one, one player going into the portal of among a sea of players going into the portal uh, in men's college basketball. So wishing him the best of luck. I honestly am. It was fun to have him at ASU. It's just uh, just kind of puzzling as a fan when the player says they're staying. Week later, they they go in the portal, you know, a la Jaden Daniels of two years ago. I think, and I mean, that was worse. That had a video, so <laughs> which you can't just whip that up uh, on a whim. So annoying. Um, honestly, as a fan, it's even more annoying than players just coming and going from the transfer portal, you know, because you can always go to the transfer portal initially and just 
not leave like Jemiah Neal did or Isaiah Johnson on the football team this past off season. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just, it, 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 it is what it is, but um, wanted to share that. And, you know, it's one more, one more player for Bobby Hurley to uh, look for in the portal this upcoming or, you know, right now. So luckily there's so many guys in there and, excuse me, I do think from an ASU fans like outlook, it seems like this is only happening to us. Right. But, it, but that's not the case at all. You know, I mean, you have Hunter Dickinson in the portal from Michigan, Caleb Love went in the portal from North Carolina. I mean, there's so many guys I'm forgetting. It's just, it's been a lot. Max Smith from Oral Roberts, the March Madness hero from a few years ago, he's in the portal. So there's a lot of uh, big college basketball names which isn't really a thing in men's college basketball, but you get the point. Like, well, relatively well-known guys going into the portal um, and leaving big-time programs in some cases. So something to watch for. We'll see if anyone, if ASU will pick up anyone else uh, in the portal. One person who's not going in the portal, but he may not actually come back to ASU, is center Warren Washington. Now, he was the biggest domino of any ASU player returning, coming back, because he's the most irreplaceable, you know. Losing DJ Horn stings, it, it sucks, but ultimately, like, there are so many guards in the portal that you can get. It's not, to me as a fan, it's just not that big of a worry, even though I would rather have DJ Horn be back on the team. I think Devin Cambridge is, is more irreplaceable than uh, DJ Horn just because of his energy, um, I'm not going to say he was a good shooter, but he was a, I don't know, average shooter. And a lot of guys, you know, who do that kind of have the energizer bunny role, uh, offensive rebound, you know, type role. Like they're not always the best three point shooters. So it's good to see, well, that's going to hurt losing Cambridge. But anyway, tying this all back into Warren Washington, he declared for the draft while maintaining his eligibility, just like Frankie Collins. Now with Frankie, it's a lot less likely that he's actually going to get drafted, at least in my, you know, amateur opinion. Um, almost certainly he'll be coming back. Uh, but I do like this thing with the NBA where they let guys, hey, yeah, you can you can declare for the draft, and but you can also maintain eligibility. Maybe that's the college. Uh, however, they have that in college, but it's not the, that way in the NFL. So. Um, it's one thing I like on the basketball side because Frankie Collins and Warren Washington can go, you know, do all the draft process and see where they stack up. And then maybe they go back to college with some feedback and it's like, Hey, you know, you should improve on this, this, and this, and you'll be more likely to get an NBA look, uh, here are some of the, here's, here are what the really the best of the best, uh, what it's like to actually play them and how do I stack up? with them in that sense. So I think that's good news for ASU because I don't, I would be surprised if Warren Washington got drafted, but I would not be like completely floored because he did. He does have the size, um, capable scorer, solid shooter from like inside the, inside the key, good passer, pretty good passer for most centers. Um, and, you know, 
that just being that tall just helps him in that sense, just because he's a legit seven footer. I still don't think he's going to get drafted this cycle, but I can see why he entered his name into the mix. Uh, so that's something to watch for. But I think if you're an ASU fan, you sh- expect is a big word, but I would say it is more likely than not that next year Warren Washington will be on ASU. Um, and I, I would be very surprised if he went into the transfer portal because he's already transferred twice in college. Started out at Oregon State, went to Nevada, then to ASU. Do you really want to transfer again? Maybe he does, but he would definitely be able to play. And we'll see how Bobby uh, addresses this in the portal too. If we bring in a center, then that, I don't know, maybe Warren Washington wouldn't like that if he's coming back. This is all speculation. Um, so we'll see, but I, I would anticipate Warren Washington and Frankie Collins coming back. So that does kind of soften the blow of the Devin Cambridge news. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap up, wrap up our hoops talk. Just kind of wanted to get that stuff out of the way before a pretty football centric rest of the show. Uh, Doug Haller also tweeted out yes, uh, on Wednesday, recording this on Thursday, that, Uh, some of the details of Hurley's extension, um, his, I'm just reading his tweet, Hurley's 2.6 million salary will increase 200,000 on July 1st and by an additional 100,000 every July 1st through the life of the contract. Um, So he's already set to receive a $500,000 retention bonus on the 1st of January coming up 2024. So, you know, good to see Hurley getting rewarded there. I just kind of wanted to share that information. That's from Doug Haller on Twitter. Um, Yeah. So ASU basketball, hopefully, hopefully what I'm really hoping for is that there's really just not that much more news about ASU basketball going forward because it's, I, I just feel like this team is probably set up enough uh, when you factor in Amari Lands and Malachi Davis, I would expect, I guess I would expect probably one or two more transfers to come in. Um, but who knows of what's, how like widely regarded they are nationally. You know, Malachi Davis came from Juco, you know, not super widely regarded just because he was a Juco where, while Kamari Lands a little more highly regarded because it was a former four-star recruit on a bad Louisville team, but it's still Louisville and people, you know, care about that program. So uh, we'll, we'll see if they bring in anyone else. Um, I, I would anticipate that they will. And maybe a better phrase is not no more news about ASU basketball, but just not that much. Like maybe you hear a story of a day of so-and-so transfers in and everyone's like, okay, cool. And then we move on. So ASU basketball talk for you. All right. Spring game is tomorrow for most of you listening. I'm, I'm recording on Thursday, but uh, Thursday night. But for most of you listening, the millions out there that do cross Sun Devil Nation, more like the dozens. Uh, the uh, anyway, the spring games tomorrow. I'm this is the most excited I've been ever for an ASU spring game and not by a significant margin, just because there's so much new information and 
just new players. What, what is the offense going to look like? You know, what is Brian Ward's defense going to look like? Um, and the backdrop to hold this, in my opinion, is Dillingham is saying, hey, I want 45K at that spring game. I think there is no way that there's going to be actually 4,500,000 people that are that show up to the actual spring game in Sun Devil Stadium. That's just, that is a lot for a spring game in the middle of April, Arizona, where the weather's still nice. And, you know, for someone like me, this is one of those weekends where it's like, what are your last chances to do a hike in the Valley before it gets too hot? You know, other, there's other reasons, obviously, you know, kids soccer practice or all any millions of reasons why people uh, would come. But I do expect there to be a good amount though. Like, I don't think it'll be an embarrassing showing. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a good, like 30 K that were there, you know, the reason I, the reason I'm just dubious of 45 K showing up it's just such it's that's a big number for a spring game for a non-traditional school like asu and even even for a traditional school like that's a lot uh i i do like that he's setting the bar high um and i think he pro i i think he probably knows just dillingham having grown up in the valley grown up in the valley you know in the 2000s and in you know was here in the early 2010s He's familiar with Arizona and the sports fan of Arizona uh, and the ASU sports fan for that, for that matter. And he probably knows there aren't going to be 45,000 people that show up, but if we pump it up, if we have high expectations, uh, we can get, you know, 30 K, like I mentioned, and that would be an incredible showing. Um, and there's other things going on too in Tempe. I mean, for example, Pat's run, uh, which I will be participating in uh, is right before the game. So it'll be interesting to see how it's all set up at the end of the race um, in terms of how, like how are gonna, how people are going to be funneled in to the stadium, uh, the parking situation, how that's going to be uh, just, you know, Tempe, downtown Tempe, there can be a lot going on. Just how, how's it all work logistically, you know? Um, but I do like the idea of having Pats run right before the game because people are already in downtown Tempe. It's like, Hey, you just finished up the run. Just sit in the stadium for a bit, watch the game, watch some of the game, uh, sport the devils. And another thing that I love, and I don't know how if Dillingham planned this or not, cause they went to five other schools but you have the Bustin' with the Boys podcast. Uh, I think they're going to be recording live outside the stadium. And that's just a fantastic uh, just marketing opportunity for ASU football. You know, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the podcast, it's Taylor Luan and uh, Compton. I forget. I forget his last. I, I want to say Cole Compton. It's not Cole Compton. Uh, former NFL linebacker with the Washington uh, I'll just say the Washington team. Uh, <laughs> and, oh, I can't remember his name. It's Compton. I, 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 Will Compton. Will, it's Taylor Lewan and Will Compton. Will Compton, former NFL, NFL linebacker. I think Taylor Lewan, I don't know if he's, I, I don't know exactly if he's uh, retired or not. Uh, I'm actually going to look that up right now. 
But anyway, they host a popular football podcast. It's not very like controversial either, which, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think they're part of Barstool, which, you know, some people really don't like, and they have, they have valid reasons to not like them, but um, there's not any negative kind of thing behind it, you know? So that's, that's good, obviously. And it has a wide following. They have players on, they're great on social media. So if you're just some, you know, average Joe football fan in Kentucky and you're just scrolling Twitter on Saturday and you follow the Bustin' with the boys podcast and, Oh, they're doing an interview with Kenny Dillingham. And Oh, this guy seems interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then growth of the program exposure. And this is all good. These are all good types of exposure because can't lose the spring game. You know, it's all, it's all going to be good. Uh, you know, good vibes and Tempe for that game. Uh, and that's uh, that's just kind of the the atmosphere. That's kind of the that's the big thing I'm really interested in from from a non on the field perspective, you know. Because in ASU spring games in the past, it was just there was like no effort put into it. There were not a whole lot of fans there. The one time I covered it uh, back in the day for the state press, I want to say this probably the twenty seven. This would be the twenty seventeen spring game. I think it was called like a spring uh, spring showcase. It just was, it just wasn't that interesting. There was no energy in the stadium. There was no, there wasn't any real like effort to get a bunch of people out there. And ironically, in that game, all the guys who played really well in that game did almost nothing uh, in the regular season. So um, that's just you know that's not always how it goes in spring games. But just in that one example. Uh, so this is a huge, huge differentiator uh, from the Herm Spring games. The pandemic was also thrown in there, but also the Todd Graham Spring games as well. So, and I can't speak to anything before that. But um, if if there is a good thirty thousand people there that are like actually at the game, watching the game in Sun Devil Stadium, uh, and I've seen people on Twitter just anecdotally say, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll be in town for this. Uh, so that's good. That will be a huge, just, that'll be just so good for the positive momentum of the program. Just, just from a vibes perspective, you know, I, and obviously that's not, you know, that doesn't win and lose games on the field, but uh, if there are recruits that come to the spring game, very good to come to the spring game and you're in Tempe already. It's beautiful. And, oh, look, they actually really care about this. That's cool. Uh, instead of re- – I, I, the, the example that just sticks in my mind is the when ASU lost to Wazoo uh, two seasons ago, and that was kind of the – that was such a depressing game. That was – that was the – Rashad White was injured. I think that was the, the week – it was the it was the week or two weeks after, and they had a bye. It was the next game after that loss in Utah, where they looked so good in the first half, and then just got bulldozed in the second half. It looked like they smoked pot in the locker room or something. I just don't I just don't understand how you can be so bad from half to half. But that's another story. Uh, anyway, the the following game after that, they host Wazoo, which remember this was in the wake of the Nick Rolovich stuff too. And this was like Jake Dickert's second or third game as interim head coach. And Wazoo kicks the crap out of ASU. 
the fans, it was not a very highly attended game. Jaden Daniels had probably his worst game as a college football player. I mean, he was throwing a bunch of picks. He threw one across his body, like early in the game. And me, even just a dumb fan in the stands, I could tell that the guy wasn't open and it got picked off. And it just had a terrible tone for the entire game. If you go back and look, it was one of those games where like the final score was like 35 to 17. And it wasn't even that close. Like Wazoo kicked the living crap out of ASU in that game. Um, and the reason why I bring this game up is because ASU, I remember seeing a tweet that day of it was, uh, I forget. I, I think it was Cyrus Moss who eventually went to Miami and he was like, I'm visiting ASU today. And I was like, Oh, cool. At least like we got someone, at least like the, he's still interested in us because at this point everyone knew about the, the allegations and the investigation and all that. Uh, but apparently he made it out to the game and he got to see a, just a very bad <laughs> overall performance if you're selling ASU football to someone else. You got to see them get blown out on the field. Fans not really be there. Like it was, it felt like half full. And I remember later on in the game, like you could hear like the insults from the fans just because there weren't that many people there. So it was just a bad, bad, bad environment. Um, and you could get the complete opposite of that if things go well at the spring game. Um, like I said, I'll be there. I'm going to be running Pat's run beforehand. Uh, and I'm very interested, very interested in just seeing who, who, who kind of pops, you know, I've, I've there've been a lot of reports of the defense really doing well in these scrimmages. And so I think that's really encouraging. I do because I trust this team to figure it out to a decent point on offense, just because they do have guys who produced in college before that Dillingham is proven to can he, that he can, you know, drop good offenses. Um, so I'm not worried. So if they like take a, a little bit uh, of time on that end, that's fine with me, but defense is very encouraging because a lot of new guys, just like the offense, new coordinator. Um, and it's kind of a chaotic scheme just from the way Dillingham described it. Uh, so I'm just, I'm just excited to see how that, how that looks. Uh, safety Shamari Simmons. I think it's Shamari Simmons. Um, he has just been just the, from the reports I've seen on Twitter. I mean, he's just been all over the place. Um, but a lot of the guys coming back aside from BJ green, um, and then the corners, obviously with Isaiah Johnson, Roe Torrance, Jordan Clark, that should be a strong suit for the team defensive line. I'm really interested to, to see how they, uh, perform. Like I'm just mentioning, you've seen good reports from, uh, BJ green. He was another guy who entered the portal then came back. So, could be collective stuff, could be change of heart, who knows. Um, but glad that he's back on the team, and I hope that – I think I could, he could have a huge season coming up. He didn't produce quite as much last year, but his freshman year, I think he had like five sacks. Like, that was a really good year from him. So uh, it's not surprising to see him do well. Um, do well in spring 
football practice, but I'm very interested in the offense. And I think it's so much of the, uh, sorry, so much of the attention has gone to the quarterback battle and rightly so. I'm very interested to see how that plays out too. Um, but the, the, I'm very, I'm more interested to see how these, the running backs look, you know, cause you're really only bringing one guy back who played last year, that being Tevin white and Tevin white didn't even really play that much last year. So excited to see how he looks. He's a big, he's like six one, um, which for running backs, that's pretty tall. And he's, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. I think he's, he was the only four-star recruit in his class at ASU, uh, which shows you how recruiting was going, but um, when he, when he played last year, he looked good. And so I'm really excited to see how he looks in the spring game. And then Cam Scadabo, the transfer from Sacramento state, who just tore it up at Sacramento state, just set records, piled up yardage uh, on the ground and through the air. Very, very anticipated. Uh, very excited to see how he plays. There was reports at practice today that he was like trucking dudes and Dillingham was just so excited, like describing him. And I'm just, I'm just so ready to watch this guy. Cause he's Scadabo is a smaller guy too, just in terms of his height. And that's, that's so tough to deal with as a tackler. I mean, he's already just a, all these guys are balls of muscle anyway, but if you're trying to tackle him and he, he's already shorter than you, he has the leverage, like it's impossible. Um, and I, I I just want to see how they involve him because um, he can do a lot of stuff out of the passing game too. So that's very interesting to me. De Carlos Brooks as well. And then I don't know if Javen Jacobs counts as a running back. Um, I think he's one of those guys that can kind of be used both ways, but he's his name has popped up a lot uh, just in just in the reporters you follow who are at spring practice. He's looked really good. Um, local kid out of Saguaro High School a few years back. They, I, it'll be interesting. Like, will they use him in like uh, jet sweeps, out of the backfield type stuff, screens? You know, maybe downfield passes to him. Who knows? He's been playing well. So, excuse me. Uh, that I'm I'm excited to see uh, the ways they can scheme him up. My bad for using the word exciting over and over again, but there's a lot of good vibes with this ASU football team and um, just with so many new guys coming in. That's that's really what excites me is because you have a new offense. You have all these new offensive weapons. We, t we talked about past shows, Xavier Guillory, the wide receiver prospect uh, from Idaho State that transferred in. He's looked great. At practice, his route running has really stood out. Um, and he, I was listening to him on the pod on the PHNX Sun Devils podcast. They do a good job uh, with Anthony Totry. And he was saying how wide receivers coach Rashad Samples is like super, he'll drill down on these uh, route running stuff. And Giller was saying how, like, oh, all the clips you see of me playing well, like, I, there's a bunch of times where I, you know, get coached by the coaches. So 
in terms of my route running and all that stuff. And basically he's just saying like, these guys are very detail oriented. Like they want the routes run exactly right. And that's going to pay off so big in the season. I mean, Elijah Badger is already hard enough to cover. And then when you, they're being coached to just be great route runners, that can be so, it can be such an equalizer uh, in terms of athleticism, you know, just, I mean, you say guys in the NFL that aren't the most athletic guys, but they are master technicians with route running. Um, and it may not seem like a big deal, but if you got, if you get a guy to slow down for even like 0.1 seconds, because he thinks you're running, you know, uh, a big route inside, but instead you're running an out, you know, that can, that can literally be the, the difference in a game sometimes. So just, I I really like, uh, really want to see how those guys perform. Offensive line, you know, it's it's going to be tougher to analyze as a fan, um, even as a media member. You know, don't don't listen to like not any media member, but most sports media members. If we're talking about offensive line, it's a lot of just what other people have told us about it. You know, like it's hard. Like if you're a fan, you can watch a receiver, maybe even a running back. You see that he doesn't hit the hole, uh, tight end with bad hands, whatever it may be. There's a lot of things you can point out and be like, oh my gosh, like this player isn't doing well. A, a cornerback, like you can very easily tell, oh, this cornerback's getting burnt. These guys are, they're, the quarterback is picking on him. Uh, he's off the line of scrimmage so much because he doesn't want to get beat deep, yada, yada, yada. Uh, quarterback, bad read, all this stuff. Offensive line, it, it 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 can be tough because there's different blocking assignments. You know, did you know that he was supposed to, you know, get the A gap or did or, you know, you don't know what his actual assignment was, um, and so it just it can be tough. But I'll just be looking to see like, does the quarterback have time? You know, are they creating holes in the running game? Are they, you know, are they operating well as a unit? So that's what we'll be looking for with the offensive line. There's still so much to go before the first game anyway, but, uh, and they, they do have to deal with the injury of uh, Ben Coleman who had a leg injury at camp, probably going to be out for most of the season, obviously won't be in the spring game. So that's, and he started at Cal before. So he's, you know, has legit starting experience in the PAC 12. And so sure. You don't lose him in the sense that like, he was on the team last year at left guard and you lose him to injury, but you lose the potential of him. So that's not great, but it's also, it's a good thing in that he's really the only guy that's come up in uh, spring football practice injuries. So, you know, you, you can look at it both ways. Um, I'm going to wrap up with the court. Well, I guess tight ends. I mean, the tight ends, there's really not a whole lot. Like there's, they're just going to be good. You know, like Jalen Conyers is going to be very good. I bet he's going to make a highlight play in this game. Um, and he's, he's, I think he's going to get drafted very high uh, this following draft in 2024, just because he's just so athletic. He's a great with the ball in his hands, um, great hands in and of itself. And I just think he's, he's got the size. He's just got a lot of things that the NFL is looking for and, it's tight end. So, and then, Oh, by the way, we also have six, eight Messiah Swinson who is pretty dang good as well. Um, 
excited to see how they use the tight ends and then the quarterback race. I feel like we're going to see a lot of Borgay in this game. Um, well, I mean, obviously, let me rephrase that. I think Borgay will start out with the ones in this game because, of course, we're going to see a lot of them. But I think the two quarterbacks that you'll see the most action will be Borgay and Drew Pine. Uh, that's kind of been what people have been saying out of practice. And while Rashada, it's, it's more like, oh, he's coming along and you can see the talent. Like if you watch clips of him on Twitter, internet, whatever, you can see that the ball flies out of his hands. And it's like, okay, like this guy's a legit four-star recruit. Like the reason the, the hype behind him, you know, maybe got too big, but there was also a reason the hype behind him was a thing to begin with, if that makes sense. Like, he, you know, I, I've said Rashada, I don't, I'm not like going to be banging down the doors for Rashada to start unless a lot of the guys really look bad. Uh, but I know a lot of fans will. And so I guess with me is I'm just not like, like, I just don't think ASU has any sort of like edict to play Jaden Rashada this year. You know, he's a freshman. He can still redshirt his freshman year. And if he like he will he'll probably be the favorite to get the job entering next year's quarterback competition, you know, because Borgay will be gone. Pine, I think Pine will still be here, but it's not like Drew Pine is like so good that you know Rashada won't be able to catch him. And if Drew Pine is so good that Rashada won't be able to catch him, then that's great too. And that's why that's why I'm not, you know you know, super gluing myself to the idea that Jaden Rashada has to start this year, but I would love to see how he plays in this game just with all the BS he had to go through with the Florida NIL stuff. It'll, it, it, I'm sure he'll, he'll be super excited to just play football again. And there's no stupid side storylines. It's just, Oh, am I going to be the second quarterback coming out of spring football? Am I going to be in the third spot? Maybe I'll be the leader in the clubhouse for the starting job. Who knows? It'll just be kind of just football stuff. So the fact that we have, in my opinion, three legitimate, well, we don't know about Rashada. So I'll say two legitimate starting quarterbacks in Borgay and Pine. And some people will scoff at the Borgay thing, but I think he was a little better than people remember last year. Uh, ASU fans, he did have some bad, he had a bad game against Oregon state and was bad against Washington state. Like, I'm not going to deny that, but he put up pretty good stats and, you know, the offense just looked better with him in there compared to Emory Jones. So I am not going to be freaking out if poor gay ends up being the starter. I get why some will, uh, Drew Pine has more pedigree being at Notre Dame, uh, put up decent stats. Not great. Again, maybe he'll really like Dillingham's offense. Uh, Dillingham, I saw him in an interview somewhere where he kind of just offhandedly mentioned like, oh yeah, you know, me and Drew Pine, like Dillingham just mentioned like, oh, I know some of the quarterback coaches with these college players. And that's kind of how I got connected to Drew Pine. And that's, man, that is so big, so big for the future of this program, because if Dillingham can get in with some of these, you know, private quarterback coach guys that all these up and coming college quarterbacks go to, that's just, that is just so, that's worth its weight in gold for a program, in my opinion, because you kind of got the inside scoop on four-star quarterback X or whatever, and then you can tailor your recruiting efforts that way. So 
and you are in Dillingham can already boast, hey, I have a quarterback friendly offense that Bo Nick succeeded in, you know, through Pine succeeded in hypothetically. So that's something to watch for in the coming years. But anyway, um I I, I expect I think Dillingham is gonna want to make this, he's gonna want to make this into a show of some kind. Um, and that kind of goes back to my point of he understands the sports fan uh aptitude in this valley the sports fan attitude the sports fan behavior and you he knows that we can't just be iowa football and expect everyone to show up that's just not how it's going to work i don't think that's ever how it's going to work uh maybe if the cardinals move move out of arizona or something or i don't know but <laughs> I, I, it's just encouraging to me at, from a big picture perspective that Dillingham is, he's, he's getting, there, it's been a long runway of, Hey, the spring game's coming on April 15th and there's going to be this, that, and that, but it's going, it's, it, it isn't just like a week before, Hey, everyone come to the spring game. And, and then later he's upset that people didn't come. It's like, no, like he knows from the beginning, like this, this needs to be a big deal. We need to grow this. We need to activate the Valley. That's the whole, that's his whole, uh, phrase and the fact that it need the fact that he understands that it needs to be activated and you can't just come here and everyone's just going to be crazy you know football fan from the jump um that's encouraging so really excited to see what it looks like on saturday um and hopefully i don't get too sunburnt in the stands or and hopefully i don't throw up after the race too because that would not be fun um all right. Well, going to get into kind of a less fun topic. The ongoing Pac-12 TV rights deal. I haven't really talked about it much in recent episodes because there really hasn't been any new news. I, I mean, I think a little update I had last week was uh, something about 50% games. Oh, yeah. So it was an article on CBS Sports that the Pac-12 is unlikely to reach TV rights deal, uh, media rights deal with more than 50% of the games airing on regular TV. But that was just an interview with a consultant. So it's like, we don't know, you know, but there actually, there was actually some, uh, some more reporting come out um, since the last episode last week. And it was just, the first part of it was just so disheartening. Um these came out on Thursday of last week. Uh, basically, it was tweets of, hey, a lot from The Athletic and ESPN, tweets of, hey, the, they're moving back the deadline for the, or the, ex, the timetable for the Pac-12 TV deal to late spring, early summer. And I when, when I saw that, I... I wasn't really that upset. I was just like, okay, like these things, you know, these things take time. And I do think that honestly, but it's just why, like, why is, why does the deadline keep having to get pushed back? That's the annoying thing to me. And why, why were you so public? You, they've been public about a deadline, you know, first it was, you know, mid-October, then it was, you know, in beginning of the new year, then it was right before March Madness, then it was mid-April. Now it's late spring, early summer. It's just like, okay. Like, 
it just doesn't seem from the outside that it's going well. And then you get the tweets and reports that this is from Max Olson from The Athletic. The Pac-12 is talking with the CW as its TV deal negotiations extend to late spring or early. And look, the actual like real life of the Pac-12 being on the CW, I don't think that's as bad as people like make it out to be because it would be literally over the air. Like everyone has the CW channel. But in the context of this whole Pac-12 media rights storyline, I guess, it looks so bad because the CW, for one, is not a real sports network. You know, their their only partner is Live Golf. And so is that what you want to be, Pac-12? You want to be on the same network as the CW, as Live Golf on a, you know, a a TV network that is not known for sports at all. It's known for, you know, teenage dramas. Um, and that's, it doesn't, I don't, I don't know how much like that report affects anything materially, but perceptually it's like getting punched in the face from a heavyweight fighter because immediately after that people, the memes were everywhere. And I don't blame anyone for doing that because a freaking conference is having reports that their TV deal is going to be on the freaking CW. Like, I get it. I get why people were making jokes about it. Um, even though if it does happen, it may not actually be that big of a deal, but it's, but when you combine it with the fact that, Hey, you know, we're actually, we're moving back our media rights, uh, deadline that we self-impose basically. And we had, there were a lot of presidents who said, Hey, you know, mid March, mid April around then. And then that, comes and goes and it's like, oh, it's actually going to be uh, late spring, early summer. So whatever. But it just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence on the outside. And I'm going to couch what I'm saying by that. Ultimately, like there are very, very few people who actually know what's going on. And you'll kind of see, see that as I explain some stuff later in the video, because um there's just so many rumors flying out and it's like, was, are they currently talking with this, you know, TV media entity or was that something they talked, did they talk with them a month ago and the conversation didn't go anywhere? Uh, like what is the capacity of like, is it, are they just going to have a little bit of games on there or you know, are they, is it going to be the cornerstone of their entire media rights package? So it's all just confusing and it just leads to rampant speculation. Uh, all these, there, th this week, there were reports of, oh, Colorado is imminently going to go to the Big 12. And then their AD quote tweets one of these anonymous source uh, conference realignment news merchants and basically says there's no truth to that at all. So now it's like, oh, okay, I guess. So it's like, we don't even know like what to anything that's being reported it's just like you just have to take it with a giant boulder of salt because it seems like there's always conflicting reporting and so it's just it's just annoying and i understand that the pac-12 does like the pac-12 has literally like in the in like the literal sense they have until what's the deadline? i think it's july 1st of 2024 to get a deal done so technically they have 14 months 14 and a half months to get a deal done 
but it's just when you combine it with the fact that the big 12 is clearly, you know, they've making it seem like, uh, you know, the four corner schools are going to join them soon. And all these reports of, Oh, the big 12 and the four corner schools, they said they've had contact. And it's like, okay, well, what does they have contact mean? Like, is it contingency plans from the four corner schools? Is it them like banging down the door to get yeah, banging down the door to get to the big 12? I don't think it's that, but I do. I mean, obviously there have been conversations between people because you have to, as a, as a school president, as athletic department, because there's no 100% guarantee that the PAC 12 is going to survive. Um, and then, you know, there's always the rumors of Oregon and Washington, even though those have really died down because I, it just doesn't seem like the Big Ten is going to add them, but who knows? And so it's it's all just a big mess. Um, and it gets even more messy when it was reported uh, earlier this week by John Orand of the Sports Business Journal that, quote, uh, there is now reportedly, quote, little chance the CW gets Pac-12 rights and, quote, those talks never got serious. So it gets reported that, you know, the Pac-12 and the CW are talking and, um, yeah, they're talking with the CW last week. And then it gets reported this week that, uh, no, they're not. I mean, yes, they talked, but it's little chance it's actually going to happen. And, and uh, the talks never got serious. So it's like, you, you have the report last week of, oh, the Pac-12 is talking with the CW, and then it just generates all this negative uh, reaction or joking reaction from, you know, sports fans around, you know, that are following this. And then it's like, oh, actually, like, it's being reported. Those attacks never really happened or like they did happen, but they never got to the point of anything of, of meaning. And so it's like, okay, so like, I just don't, but it's just, as a fan, it just makes it really annoying to follow. Um, and so, and I'm, I'm just glad I'm not like, I, if, if there are any Washington state fans, Oregon state fans, also Cal bear fans in there too, Stanford, you guys don't have fans, but particularly Oregon state and Washington state. I, uh, I feel sorry for you guys right now, just not because all oh, the Pac-12 is going to die. And now you guys are going to 100% be relegated to the Mount West, but just that like, these rumors are way more impactful to you because there's not just this landing spot for you, you know? And so some of the media in this has been just really unprofessional in my opinion, and just sharing stories that don't have any actual relevance. It turns out um, some of it is just the complicated nature of this. And so I, I do think that has to be factored into it, but it just makes me like, like when I saw the CW stuff, I was like, okay, well, like I had been on team. It's, I could see the PAC 12 staying together. Um, and then you see the CW stuff and it's like, okay, there's no way, like things can't be going well for the PAC 12 if they're like, Hey, CW, what's up? Uh, but then it gets, Oh, actually they're not talking. So it's like, just, it's just very annoying. Um, and you don't, you don't know what's true. And that's gets compounded as it drags on and on and on. And like I said, it fills the gap is filled with speculation and rumors 
Um, and that's, and what bothers me about the PAC 12 is they just, it's like, there's no PR campaign back from them. You know, the big 12 is completely controlling this narrative and you know, that I don't know how much, I don't know if that does anything like in the real world, I guess is the right way to phrase it or wrong way. I don't know, but I don't know if it tangibly does anything that having the big 12, like right now, everyone just thinks the big 12 is going to survive and the PAC 12 won't like that. That is the common um, thought process for the average college football fan who is following this. Right. And I can't blame them because of how aggressive the big 12 has been. And in their part, getting a deal done earlier. But there may not be any like reality of that at all. And the Pac-12 presidents who've spoken out, you know, don't seem to be like, oh yeah, like we're going to join the Big 12. I mean, I get that they're not going to say that, but you have Pac-12 athletic directors um, and they're not as connected saying, you know, this isn't happening. I, I still, I, I think it's very wise to go back and listen to Mark Harlan of U Utah athletic director he gave an interview and you could just tell in the tone of his voice that he, he was just like so done battling all the rumors, but when a deal doesn't get done, there's just going to be more rumors and every little morsel of information gets uh, twisted and the quote, it, you know, it's, everyone has their little spin on it. And so then rumors grow from there and it just becomes this big mess when in the, you know, in the negotiating room, maybe everything's moving along fine, but okay. So excuse me. Ultimately, as I talk all this out, I don't think everything is moving along fine. Okay. Because if it were, they would have a deal done by now, by now. And we're in mid April, you know, I'm not saying this in March 1st, um, but it's, it's clearly not going perfectly well. But just because it's not going perfectly well and it's getting pushed back a bit doesn't mean that these schools are 100, like they're right, ready to go, leaving to the Big 12 the next day, you know? Because there have been a lot of reports on, you know, from, coming from the Big 12 or Big 12, I don't want to call it Big, Big 12 media, but people, there have been a lot of reports of like, oh, it's imminent that Colorado and Arizona are leaving and, you know, a lot of those reports were from like two months ago and literally nothing has happened. So I don't know. Honestly, like I, I'm like, I, like I opened this up with, I'm fine with like the meteorites getting pushed back, but just because like, ultimately who knows how it'll actually all turn out. And again, they do have up until like the end of June, 2024 to get this done officially Obviously, you never want to go all the way up to the 11th hour and something as big as this, but, and I don't think they will, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just been such a mess from a public relations standpoint from the Pac-12. And that's the thing that even if the Pac-12 does survive, um, that's one thing I won't. I won't love about it surviving as someone who generally does want the league to survive. I don't want all just the, the BS that comes from the league and, and the school presidents, if we're being honest. Um, and I think their idea is like, Oh, we'll just send out a statement that saying that we're unified 
we'll just go in and have a few interviews and then everyone will, you know, uh, let this go and move on to spring football. And that's not how it's going. You know, people, people, there's, I don't think they realize just how interesting so many people find conference realignment, including myself. Um, and with that interest, people want storylines. And when there's no actual storylines happening, then, you know, speculation happens. And there've been so many articles from like legitimate college football, sports media news sites that are, well, here's what could, here's what it could look like if the four corner schools left and here's what, here's what's been reported. And it's like, okay, but like, we don't actually know ultimately like these presidents have to make the decision that, Hey, we're going to go, you know? So I'm just kind of talking it out, but it's just, it's so frustrating that the news cycle from last week around the PAC 12 happened. And I'm not even blaming any of the media. I'm just, I'm blaming the PAC 12 for letting it get to this point. So, you know, right now, and it's, it's just so weird because it's like, we don't really know what's going on in the room. You know, it feels like there's been so little of like what's actually happening. Um, <coughs> that's known to the public and yeah. So I guess if you're an ASU fan and you want them to go to the big 12, then that, <laughs> that could very much still happen. And, you know, I, I'm, I am not like running to the big 12, but it's also good to know that you have, uh, a lifeboat off the potential sinking sinking ship of the Pac-12. Um, and if you want them to stay in the Pac-12, you can just be like, okay, like all these Big 12 people said it was imminent that the conference was dying, and they've been saying that for like three months, and literally nothing's happened. Um, and it doesn't seem like an, an any of the president's public comments. Keyword there, public. I get it. Okay, I get that they. This is what they're telling us publicly, but they haven't seemed like it hasn't been like there's a lot of uh, they just seem like they they want to stay in the Pac-12. So who knows? I wish the leagues would have just merged and stopped fighting the at best the third best conference when you could have merged and clinched and became the third best conference. And in some years in football, you would be better than the Big Ten. Some years, not every year. Depends on, you know, how it all shakes out. But some years, the combination of the Big 12, Pac-12 hypothetical conference would be better than Big 10 in football. Um, so anyway, I wish that would happen. And maybe it will. I would, you know, who who knows how any of this is all going to play out. But uh, I won't be thinking about that on Saturday at the ASU spring game. And you know, if you're an ASU fan listing this, I I implore you to come. I am someone who is not a huge like spring game um traditionalist in the sense that like you know on social media you see you see other fan bases like mocking fan bases that don't have people come out to their spring game. You know, I remember last year, uh I grew up a Washington fan, still kind of am a Washington fan, but obviously not behind not head of ASU, but Oregon had a good showing at its spring game and, you know, U UW in the first year of the board, they had like 10,000 people there. And I just remember hearing an Oregon family like, Oh, UW, you know, they're falling behind. They don't have any, don't have any, you know, passion at their spring game. And then lo and behold, UW goes 10 and two and beats Oregon. And so that just shows you how, how 
stupid uh, spring game crowd analysis is, but it does it, the the big point behind it is I so I guess it's not completely stupid, but it, it's mostly stupid. Big point behind it is how passionate are the fans of the program? And look, I I would never. I'm and honestly, I'm not shaming anyone for not going to a spring game because there's a lot of other things to do on a Saturday than go to a spring game. Um, I know a lot of college football fans don't want to hear that, but um, it's true. Uh, but I think this is a spring game. If you're an ASU fan, you really want to go to um, just because of the new offense, new, new players, new coaching staff. Um, and it's not the worst thing to do. Like I'm not, I wouldn't shame anyone for going to a spring game, but I also think just from a general college football perspective, the, criticism of spring game attendance which is a real thing it's you know it's not a huge thing but it's a real it's something i've seen um i think that's really dumb but at the same time you should come to the spring game if you're an asu fan because well one the weather's gonna be great but uh it it should be in it should be as as in terms of spring games go it should be pretty exciting so that's kind of my pitch for that. Um, you know, I, I, again, I understand why people don't want to go to spring games. Um, so if, you, if you're listening to all that and be like, you know what, Mark, that's, that's a good point. But ultimately like I just go on a hike or, you know, chill at my pool in my backyard or I don't know, whatever, go, go shopping at, you know, Scottsdale fashion square. Uh, I get it. But if you're like looking for something to do, it should be a good, it, it should be a good environment. Um, and Hey, there's already going to be a bunch of people down there anyway for Pat's run. So hopefully, um, they'll get a lot of people out there. All right. That kind of wraps up this show. Uh, Colton had some, uh, engagement duties he had to do. So, uh, he couldn't, he couldn't make it to the show. Um, but he'll be back next week, um, more than likely. And so we'll have a full show, you know, talking about what I saw at the spring game and, Hopefully no more ASU basketball players entering the transfer portal. Uh, with that, that's episode 36. Please like and subscribe, rate and review. And anything else, follow us on Twitter. You know what to do. All right. Thank you so much for listening and have a good night.